0: North Carolina still has three scholarships to dole out for next season, but we just found out that we're about three weeks away from maybe, maybe being down to two. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. As always, I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us on today's show, which is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit fanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. Coming up on the show, I've got some more updates for you on conference realignment. We talked about it last week. You everydayers would have been with us for that. There's some short-term good news, but some long-term not-so-good news as well. And baseball conference awards came out on Monday with the Tar Heel getting what I thought is a serious snub. We'll get to all of that in a little bit. But first, I want to get back to North Carolina's scholarship situation for basketball next season we're all getting what I would say at this point is a little bit antsy to figure out what's going to happen with these final three scholarships that are currently open and available. At this point last year, we still didn't fully know everything that was going on because Pete Nance wasn't in, but there we weren't at the point where there were three open scholarships. And so I, I don't know how you're feeling, but I'm just starting to get a little bit of this all right you know, if things are going to happen, let's make them happen, right? Well, one of the key cogs, one of the key parts or pieces in that conversation is obviously Jaron Stevenson. If you've been um, tuned in and and locked in on, on North Carolina's roster for next season, you have probably heard this name. He is in the class of 2024. He's not somebody that is technically like that is graduating right now. He still has his senior season ahead of him. And so this conversation about next year's three open scholarships and Jaren Stevenson and how that goes together is frankly a little bit weird. And here's two reasons why. Well, number one, he's not committed to North Carolina. And number two, as we just said, he's not in the class of 2023. So it's odd for us to start discussing like, all right, we got these three open scholarships. Is Jaren Stevenson one of them because of those two things? But here's the deal. At some point, at some point, one of the next dominoes has to start falling. Whether it's more news on Elliot Cadeau, whether it's news on other transfers, whether it's news on, hey, we're not going to use our scholarships, or perhaps it's news on Jaron Stevenson himself, who is somebody that I know uh, I and a lot of the Carolina fan base, and, and I'm sure the coaching staff as well, is really curious to hear more about something has to give. Well, here's some good news. Over the weekend, Inside Carolina caught up with Jaron Stevenson at the Josh Level Classic. They had an interview that they published with him, and I want to highlight a couple of those questions and answers because they're giving us some insight into more about timelines and his thought process and what we can expect, and then I just want to give some feedback as to what I think that means for the Tar Heels. So let me highlight a couple of those questions. One of them was, all right, Jaron, what is your summer? What all is going on in your summer? And in part of his response to that, he said, quote, work out what school I want to go to. I'm still making that decision, end quote. That is a little eye opening for me because I think it's felt like almost a no brainer, almost like a done deal that Jaron Stevenson would ultimately wind up at North Carolina. And this isn't saying that he's not, it's just to me, speaking to the fact that it's not as done a deal as, as I think I and others of us have believed that it is. If, if, if we are to take him at his word on this, and again, it's a high school young man. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, take it for what it's worth. But we're still waiting to see not just about reclassification, but legitimately, is he going to go to North Carolina or is he going to go somewhere else? We're going to have to wait and see on that. The next question I want to highlight was he was asked if he will be back at Seaforth, his high school, next season, if he could see himself right there. And here's his answer to that quote right now i'm still deciding it's not 100 sure there's still a chance of me reclassing up meaning to 2023 so i'm still deciding that end quote so just like the decision on where to go to school the decision on whether or not to reclass is still very much up in the air and so that's why i go back to those two things i mentioned earlier we don't know that he's coming to Carolina and we don't know which class he's going to be in. And clearly from this answer, just like the one with where he's going to go to school, the potential of where he's going to go could be quite frankly, or excuse me, not where he's going to go, but when he's going to go staying in his, uh, in his class that he's currently in or coming into the class of 2023, which would mean moving on to campus at some point this summer. Clearly, Either he's being deceptive and holding his cards close to his chest, or legitimately hasn't fully decided. It could be similar to what we heard a lot with Elliot Cadeau, like, hey, I want to see what makes most sense in terms of, of roster and fit. And, you know, like, is Jalen Washington going to play the four? Is Jalen Withers going to play the four? Or could I come in and play right away? And one of his other answers, he mentioned that that playing time is certainly a consideration for him with wherever he goes but is not the end all be all. And so uh, that tells me that he's okay knowing that he would have to come in and compete for time and not that just like, Hey, there's this starting spot. I could walk right into it. And then the question, the the next question to him became, do you want to reclass? Right? Like, is that like something you actually want to do? And Part of his answer, he said, "quote I'm very interested in taking that next step." End quote, and went on to talk about um, getting the opportunity to play against higher level elite competition as he prepares himself for what he hopes is an NBA career. And so, yes, absolutely, if it makes sense for Jaron Stevenson, he's going to reclass and come uh, somewhere. If it doesn't, he'll stay in 2024. I, I don't think that's a problem. But again will it be North Carolina? In what class will it be? So the key question in all of this for me is at what point are we going to know? When will Jaron Stevenson make both of these decisions, the time and the school? Well, thankfully he was asked about that as well. What's your timeline for deciding on both reclassification and your school? He said, this. By the end of the school year, I'll probably make a decision, which is June 9th. That's the end of my school year. So that's the timeline right now. Uh, You get, just as you read more and more of these things in life, you get good at piecing out the words in there. So let's look at this June 9th deadline today is Tuesday, May 23rd. So that's like two and a half weeks from now. So Jaron has this week and two more weeks of school and then says, uh, that's the timeline right now. But he also said, I'll probably make a decision by the end of my school year. I'll probably make a decision. So there, there is no guarantee that he will make a decision by that point, but that he would certainly like to. Now it, I, if you have kids, you probably know that that last week of school is basically throw away a lot of times, even that last day is a half day. And so to me, it seems like if I was a young man making this decision, I'd want to just fully finish off and then have a week away from classes or something to sit down and really process this decision and then make it. You know what I'm saying? Like I wouldn't want the distraction of school and all that going on as well. So if I'm Jaren, I would actually wait a week longer and then make that decision. But as as to what he says, he wants to make it probably in the next essentially two and a half weeks. And so that to me says that one way or another in terms of coming to Carolina or another school and reclassifying or not, we probably will know in the next two and a half weeks. Now, obviously, the hope is that he will come to Carolina. I would imagine if you're listening or watching to this, you might be split on whether you'd rather have him reclassify or stay in 2024 and come. And In fact, I'm really curious to your thoughts. If you're watching or listening to this, would you rather Stevenson stay stay in 24 or come early in 23? But the good news is Carolina can at least know. Like hopefully, whether he's reclassing or not, they can at least know if he's coming to Carolina or not, because then that affects everything else you do. So for Carolina, the sooner the better on this decision making process from Jaron Stevenson would obviously love to have him. But it's nice to know that in a month or less, we're going to know something more. Obviously, I'll keep you up to date on my thoughts on it and any information I'm finding out in the meantime. Well, last week, if you were with us, you remember that I talked some about the ACC spring meetings and how we found out about this magnificent seven. We were trying to figure out how to make the ACC viable or perhaps move on. Well, at the end of last week, we got more information about the ACC's financials. I want to update that in just a second. But first, I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel make a fast break to FanDuel right now during the NBA playoffs because new customers and right now get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Uh, You taking these Lakers to come back from 3-0 down? No, sir, I am not. Now, for me, I love betting with FanDuel because they have great promotions literally every day. The app, it's safe, it's secure, and super easy to use. Perhaps best of all, you can get immediately paid when you win. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. So, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Hey, you everydayers, make sure you are tuned in and locked in with us all week long on tomorrow's show. Coach Pat Kilby will be with us as he is always, and then more great content coming up later this week with Coach Pat Kilby going to be talking some about, have we overlooked Jalen Washington as a potential starting four? Maybe so. Well, let's get back into this conference realignment conversation. This, as I said last week, it's so intriguing to me. I I am an ACC thoroughbred at heart grew up just south of Atlanta, and most of my family was Georgia Bulldogs fans. But I grew up um, initially a Georgia Tech fan, being in Atlanta, but just fell in love with the ACC. And so, man, my heart of hearts, I would love for th- all everything to work out where Carolina could stay in the ACC, and that the ACC would be viable. But in the ever changing landscape of collegiate athletics. I want to be open to what needs to happen, school over conference affiliation, right? My, my concern, yes, is for the ACC, but even more so is for Carolina um, to, to sustain who they are and what they're doing. If that's with the ACC, great. If that's with a different conference that will better suit them or be more viable, Let's go make that decision. You know, what, does does that make sense? Those of you that have been around the conference for a long time, I, I know we, we pine for what has been, but Carolina hasn't always been in the ACC, right? There, there was a day and age when going to the ACC was like, oh boy, I don't know. You know what I mean? And so uh, we just got to do whatever makes sense. Well, as part of trying to figure out this whole conversation, because it's, it's about all sorts of things. Do you make a leap? How do you keep the ACC viable? Do you have a new revenue share system? All of this, it's all part of the same conversation of money, money, money. Well, on Friday of last week, we learned the ACC's financials from fiscal year 21-22 or the academic year 21-22. The ACC released their report, as did the PAC-12 for that matter. And so first off, great news, record revenue for the conference, for the ACC. This is encouraging. It's great. The ACC's overall revenue is third among the conferences. I mean, that, that point is really encouraging. So that makes me ask, do we really need to be talking about doing something else, going to a new conference? If, if the ACC money's up so much, we're, we're good, right? Let's let's just keep things as we are and, and keep nudging that up. To that point, league record for revenue in 21-22: sixteen six um, hundred 617 million in revenue. Average distribution to the schools: thirty-nine point four million. And TV money also at a record high: four hundred forty-three point seven million. And the great news is that's not going to stop. Per David Teal on Twitter, who uh, writes for the Richmond. Times Dispatch says, "Quote: TV revenue has more than doubled in the last seven years. This is for the ACC, and should go up big again when the 22-23 figures are released, because that's the first full fiscal year for Xfinity and Comcast carrying the ACC network. So it's going to keep going up and up and up. This is great, right? Great news for the conference. Let's just keep going. Ah, but here's the bad news: that short-term." news is great. The problem, remember I said the ACC is third in the conferences? The gap up to number 2 and even more so number 1 is substantially big. So the ACC is third, but getting to the ACC to the SEC, excuse me, who's second or the Big 10 who's first, that's a chasm bigger than the Grand Canyon. That's why we still as a conference or at least the leaders of the conference need to explore things like a way out of the current media rights deal, a way out of the ACC and into the SEC, or better yet, as I've said, B- Big Ten, and I'll say more on that here in just a little bit. Or perhaps it's a way into a new league with just a great cluster of teams that's going to draw a great media rights deal. Maybe it's some kind of way of, of needing to partner with the Big 12 or, or or the Pac-12 to just say, hey, let's get something mega going on that that the media folks can't ignore, and then you get a big thing. Here, here's some of the numbers, the raw numbers on it to help show this more. So the ACC's numbers, that $617 million in is up 6.7% from the previous year. Again, that distribution, nearly $39.5 million per school, is a league record and up 9%. But that $617 million in revenue, you compare that to the SEC, who's number two, 721.8 million. That's a big discrepancy there, more than 100 million. And then you take an even bigger leap uh, up to the first place conference, which is the big 10 at 840.6 million. That's over 200 million higher than the ACC. So it's not just about being first, second, or third. It's look at the disparity in literally hundreds of millions of dollars. And here's the other thing, keep in mind. The SEC and Big Ten have since these numbers gotten even bigger media rights deals. So that gap is only gonna get bigger as we move forward with these new TV contracts. And while the ACC is third in overall revenue, they are fourth in per school distribution. Big Ten first, $58.8 million per school, SEC second, $49.9 million per school, but then the Big 12 is above the ACC, they have more of a range, is 42 to 44.9 million per school, while the ACC's range is 37.9 to 41.3 million per school. And then the Pac-12 falls just shy of the ACC in terms of the Power Five conferences. So the ACC's got work to do. Yes, they're seeing record numbers, but everyone else is too, because it just keeps going up and up, and the disparity is only going to keep growing. This to me is again part of why I think the Big Ten is the landing spot for Carolina, if they decide that they ultimately need to leave the ACC. I, I think you got to look at that first. Can we serve? Can we keep this conference afloat that we all love? If not, again, academically, athletically, mon- financially, I think the Big Ten is the play. They're the number one rated in terms of revenue, both overall and per school they have the athletics that lines up with Carolina's um, broad assortment of varsity athletics teams. And in terms of academic rigor and prestige, the big 10 holds that above the sec. And so again, I'm just going to keep saying if you're just jumping ACC to another conference, the big 10 makes more sense to me. But here's the thing, all of this once again would be less concerning if the ACC could simply renegotiate Their grant of rights steal sooner, but they they can't and are struggling to find a way to do so, and they won't be able to for over a decade. Something's got to give. Either you got to figure out this new revenue plan, which they've been talking about, the the school presidents, or you got to find a way to get out. And move somewhere else. Obviously, these conversations are going to be ongoing. I'll keep updating you as I learn more. Would love to hear your thoughts on all the conference realignment stuff because I know people are all over the map in their opinions about it. So I'd love to hear yours. Well, on Monday afternoon, the ACC announced the baseball, um, all ACC teams, all those uh, postseason conference awards that come out. And uh, man, there was what I thought was a massive snub for the Tar Heels. We'll talk about that in just a second. Okay, Baseball Conference Awards came out on Monday. Carolina had some representation as uh, a team that didn't have a banner year. You wouldn't expect a ton of it, but they did have some. They had one of the individual awards that's great is Vance Honeycut? Uh, is the Defensive Player of the Year for the conference. Obviously, if you've been keeping up with baseball, you know that he's been out uh, with a lingering lower body injury. The, the team has been pretty hush-hush about it, and understandably so, but he's missed several games in a row now. But what's cool is Honeycutt is the first-ever Tar Heel to win Defensive Player of the Year. Now, it's an award that's only been handed out since, I believe, 2017. So, you know, not a great long history, but still first one to ever do it. You love to see that. Now, in terms of the rest of the awards, you have first, second, and third team along with all freshman team and some of those other things. And these awards are voted on by the 14 head coaches in the conference, 14, not 15. Uh, This is one where Notre Dame does compete in the ACC. If you don't keep up too much with baseball, but Syracuse does not. So that's why there are 14 head coaches. Interestingly, no Tar Heels on the first team, All-ACC. And I think that's where the snub is. There's one guy I want to talk about. On the second team, Matt Horvath, who was nominated as an outfielder, by the way, along with Jackson Vandebraeke, uh, the second baseman, both make the second team for Carolina. Vance Honeycutt not only is the defensive player of the year, but lands on the third team, All-ACC. And then Casey Cook uh, lands on the All-Freshman team. So great work there. For the Tar Heels. But here is my take and my frustration with this Matt Horvath should be on first team all ACC and was robbed of this. Now, anytime you say why th- he should be on there, you know, that means you got to take somebody else off. So you go look at it and you say, okay, if Horvath has been nominated as an outfielder for these teams, who are the other outfielders that are on the first team and would he replace any of them? So the four other outfielders are Cam Canarella from Clemson, Stephen Reed from Georgia Tech, Ethan O'Donnell from Virginia, and Jack Hurley from Virginia Tech. They are the four first team outfielders, meaning Horvath came down to fifth. So just look, looking at some of the like major stats amongst those five players, here's where Horvath falls batting average 312. He's fifth among those five players on base percentage 414. He's fifth among those players. But then everything else I look at 711 slugging percentage second amongst those five players 218 at bat second amongst tied for second amongst those players 65 runs scored first among those players 68 hits fourth. 20 doubles first, or I think he's actually up to 21 now. Sorry, if that number is incorrect. It's either 20 or 21. Regardless, he's first among those five players. Two double, two triples, excuse me, tied for first. 21 homers, first. 61 RBIs, first. 36 walks, first. Uh, 22 stolen bases, second amongst those five. And then one other category where he is the worst of the five is 55 strikeouts. But you hear My man Mac is first in so many of those categories amongst these five players, the other four of whom were selected ahead of him on the first team. And it's not just amongst those five. In terms of conference standings, I mean, he's everywhere. He's top three in the ACC in stolen bases, RBIs, runs, and home runs. You make it top five in the ACC, and you can add in doubles and slugging percentage. And not to mention what to me is perhaps the biggest feather in his cap for being included on the first team is this. Horvath is the 1st 2020 20 guy, meaning at least 20 home runs, at least 20 doubles, at least 20 stolen bases. The first ACC player to do that since 1999. And per Pat James, who does stats work for Carolina baseball, the first division one player since at least 2011 to have a 2020 season. And yet only good enough to make second team for the conference. That to me is a big miss by these coaches. Now one neg, you know, as I said, he has more strikeouts than the other four ahead of him on that list. And also has the most errors of this crew. So you got to take some of that defense into, but think about it. Some of that defense is not just all happening in the outfield. So uh, you take that into account as well. Regardless, make this man first team. He should be on it, deserves to be on it. Thank you for attending my dead Talk. <laughs> Very seriously, great season from Matt Corvath. And uh, again, it's just, it's just a made-up team and, and it's whatever. But still, you got to get that right. Come on, do better next time, coaches. Anyway, Carolina kicks off. Uh, has their first ACC conference tournament game today, Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern against Georgia Tech. Really, really have to win this one if they want to have any hope of advancing to Saturday's semifinal. And then they'll play Virginia on Thursday as well. Basically, they win both of those games. They move on to the semifinal and hopefully win some games, um, you know, win a couple of these games so they can maybe uh, improve their their NCAA tournament seating as well. Friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. By the way, I did forget to mention the um, NCAA tennis singles and doubles competitions were supposed to start uh, yesterday, Monday, within doubles, picking up today on Tuesday. But there was inclement weather at the time of this recording. They're still not back to playing yet. So um, if you look back and they did pick up playing, hopefully you know some of that information. I'll update that more as the week goes on. Friends, thanks so much for making our show your first listen or watch of the day. Man, really appreciate you guys. We are closing in on 6,000 subscribers on YouTube. That is absolutely bonkers to me. Thank you so very much. I cannot tell you how much it means that we all get to tune in and be part of this together every day. If you haven't yet subscribed, go do so on YouTube. Very easy, just click, boink, like that. Smash the like button, leave a comment on today's show. You can follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnHeels. You can follow me on Twitter, at Isaac Shade. If you'd rather chat through email, you can send me an email, lockedontarheels at gmail.com Would love to converse with you there. Would also be honored if you would leave the show a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else. Five stars if you would. And talk about why you love being part of the Locked on Tar Heels community so much. Really appreciate you spending part of your Tuesday hanging out with me. Can't wait to talk to you again tomorrow with Coach Pat Kilby. Make sure you're here for that one as well. Want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow when we talk again. Peace.